This is the Selling Plugins Podcast, helping you get the most out of your WordPress plugin business. Find out more at sellingplugins.com forward slash podcast. And now on to the episode. All right, I think we are live. Welcome everyone to, I guess this is the first edition of the Supporting Premium Plugins episode of whatever we're calling this, <laughs> Selling Plugins Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Brian Hogg, and with me is Kyle Moore. Say hello, Kyle. <laughs> hello, Kyle. And hi, Brian. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully everyone can hear us. If someone who is here can let us know that we are good to go, that would be awesome. But otherwise, we can hear you. Yay. Yes. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle's awesome. What's the latest, of Brian? What's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Yeah, just... Uh, Chilling, a little bit of ailing. <laughs> <laughs> like a villain on penicillin. <laughs> yeah, yay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the good news, uh, did you share, I don't know if everybody knows, like you're syndicating this now as a as a podcast, is that right? We are, yes. So if you haven't uh, already seen, if you head over to sellingplugins.com forward slash podcasts, you can get links to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they call themselves these days and Stitcher. Um, and I should add uh, RSS link as well if you're way more techy than most. So yeah, you feel free if you'd like to go over there, subscribe. And um, yeah, you can leave us a five-star review. We don't want any of the four-star crap, uh, just the five-star review so more people can hear Correct. about this podcast. But yeah, Correct. if you prefer audio version, that is there for you, including our past episodes. So, That'd be perfect. So today, so today we're going to be talking about uh, support. And it looks like we've got a couple uh, more questions come in, but That's Kyle, awesome. and I have been, Kyle and I have been doing support on plugins for quite some time and have a bit of different perspective as well, because myself, I'm just myself. I don't have a team of support people uh, to manage or or help with the support. Um, and I've been doing that for a while. And uh, Kyle, I think you've done both, right? Like you've had your own plugins and also now part of these digital downloads and are you doing this you're doing the support for edd or are you doing uh the marketing primarily i was doing support for a couple of years and now i'm only doing a little of that okay. yeah our support team has grown and it's awesome it's fantastic uh, yeah. but i am doing a lot of different things right now you're right <laughs> Yeah. Yes, but still, you've worked on a support team as part of a larger team as opposed to just yourself. So yeah, that's correct uh, for several years now. Yeah, so we uh, we will try and convey some of the the things we've learned and hopefully save you some time uh, setting stuff up and uh, and go from there. So um, do we want to start with some general tips or, or thoughts, maybe, or just we do we want to dive into uh, some of the initial questions and then kind of dovetail from there. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. A great, great starting question, Brian. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, what are you feeling, man? I've thought a little bit about uh, the one question that we had enough time to look into. The first one that we had from uh, Cameron. Cameron. Yep. Uh, which is sure. a great question. Uh, so yeah, we could do that first. So, so Cameron's question is, uh, you know, what are your opinions on providing paid only support on free plugins? Mm. And um, yeah, personally, I, I mean, you, you can do that, especially if you're time limited. Um, you know, the, there's no reason you don't have to have a free plugin uh, at all. And 
if you have uh if your time is super limited and you can only support uh customers who are, who are giving you money then you can definitely do that but personally especially if you already have a free version i think it's worth uh you know doing the support and maybe it's not as timely like you can have a message at the top as a sticky note you know on the forum that's saying hey we only check this once a week um you know we only do kind of bug fix stuff we don't do anything more in depth if you want priority support or premium support or or help on some of the more intricate stuff then you know here's the pro version and here's the paid support option but especially if you just have a free version and you're starting out i mean for me it was a huge source of ideas and ideas that spawned the first pro version of event calendar newsletter was uh, people asking questions like hey can i do this it's like no but that sounds like an awesome feature that would work well as a pro thing, <laughs> right? So, right. so without providing support or, or if you were just shutting people off, you wouldn't get that feedback. You wouldn't get that ideas uh, from from the free users. And it's, I mean, if you've ever not had, if if your users are taking the time to like submit a request, which isn't a quick thing, like if they don't have a WordPress account, they have to create one. Um, then you, you're able to to, to go in and, uh, you know, if they take in that time, then usually it's worth at least some response. Uh, and even, even if you're not responding in a timely manner, at least you're able to uh, get those ideas uh, from that. So personally, I think it's totally, totally worthwhile to do. And uh, go from there. So Kyle, yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts on providing free support on free plugins <laughs> or only providing paid support? Oh, right. Yeah, paid for paid support for free plugins. Uh, I like this question and I loved that uh, it was submitted in advance because it gave me an opportunity to not just think about it for a little while, which I like to do, but also uh, talk to uh, other people. Like when I thought about this question, the first person that came to mind was Jason Coleman um, from Paid Memberships Pro, who has been operating under a model like this for years now. Uh, Paid Membership Pro is a freely distributed plugin. And then their uh, pricing tier is based uh, or has been historically largely based on support. Like if you want access to their private premium forums uh, that are moderated um, by support reps, then you pay to become a member for that. And uh, that's um they were the best example i could think of somebody op actively operating under that model and has for a long time and so i reached out to jason just to kind of get his take in, a, in addition to ours uh, and he had a few things to say um he had like three points that he said to, he, that he shared with me and said yeah you can pass this along when you guys are talking Sweet. um and first he said he wrote a blog post uh, which I'll put this, uh, I'll put a link real quick to the blog post that he wrote a while back about their business model. Uh, so you can see it in the chat here on the webinar, uh, paidmembershipspro.com, um, just about their model. And he wanted to say on this topic, uh, number one, uh, if you already have a free plugin uh, out there, like in the wild, um, charging for support is really easy. Uh, it's an easy model to accomplish because uh, technically um, it doesn't affect the plugin itself. Like you don't have to edit the code uh, or anything to accommodate licensing or upgrades or uh, modify the code base in any way. It's 
you're selling a service that is separate from uh, the actual product. And so kind of like decoupling those, you're distributing a free product over here, and that can just carry on uh, regardless of your monetization and your business. And there are like some technical challenges when those become entangled. Most of us have found ways to deal with it, but those challenges are real. So in a sense, it's kind of a simpler model to operate under when all you're selling is the service. That's true. Uh, yeah, you don't really need a license key or anything, you know, depending. Um, that's a very good point. I didn't think of that. Right, right. Yeah. Effectively selling a membership commonly, you know, so it's just uh, logging into the site and granting access, which his plugin facilitates. It's a membership <laughs> plugin. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wanted to also emphasize how um, easy it is to just change your model later. Uh, this is something, and he his, his experience is that a lot of people get a little bit hung up on pricing models, and uh, which on the subject of pricing models, two webinars ago, that was our whole topic. <laughs> yeah, I was say. If you're joining us for the hour. first time, yeah, <laughs> go back to uh, that that webinar. Um, but Jason wanted to emphasize that changing your model later is totally fine. Grandfather your existing customers in. Don't worry about your small, probably, you know, relatively speaking, small existing customer base too much. Think about the future and be ready to change. Most of us have changed our pricing model. Uh, we have changed it numerous times and will continue to do so. We're not done changing our business model. <laughs> our, our pricing wait, model. Wait, what's the <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, the last thing he wanted to add is, just just commentary on how people will complain about charging for support. Uh, that's something to just expect and be prepared to deal with, I guess. Maybe just emotionally prepared for things he said. <laughs> They'll accuse yeah. you of releasing a crappy plugin on purpose to encourage support, which is just such a comical idea to me. Which <laughs> you can get negative reviews and, and comments like that even if you don't have a model like that, right? So it's kind of, you, you can. need to be emotionally prepared for that regardless. Not, not too big of a deal. <laughs> it cracks me up just the thought of people accusing you of purposely, strategically releasing something that's junk so that they have to come get your support. I can't even wrap my head around that model, but... <laughs> people uh, expect a lot for nothing, which which is tough. They do. Which, you know, it, it, that's just where WordPress has gone for years, um, at least in the plugin space. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think well, customers seem to be getting, users seem to be getting trained a little better that, you know, that, that WordPress, I think actually Michelle, who's on this, uh, said it good. It's like, Oh, WooCommerce is free, but <laughs> you know, where, where are you going to be by the time your site's released? Right. So, um, exactly. I forget, Michelle, maybe you could put the analogy that you had for WooCommerce because it was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think J I thank Jason Coleman of PaidMembershipsPro.com for uh, just volunteering his commentary on that for us. Uh, the couple of things that I had to say about it are um, first that I think the nature of the plugin really matters when you're making these kinds of decisions. Uh, this does allude back to some of the conversation we had back in our pricing model webinar uh, a couple months ago, mm -hmm. um, but. I think that there's an important distinction to make between plugins which are very foundational uh, and like the the real basis for the purpose of a site, 
versus feature plugins, which are just like a bonus add-on to a site. Um, think about plugins that, uh, that are really fundamental uh, to a website like an e-commerce plugin, membership plugins, uh, learning management systems, um, page builders even, uh, theme frameworks, you could go there. So some of these, you know, you got your easy digital downloads, WooCommerce, LearnDash, uh, Restrict Content Pro, Paid Memberships Pro. Uh, these are the kinds of plugins which a business is being built on top of. It's very fundamental to it. And you'll also note, and this is kind of like a, a signal, uh, these are the kinds of plugins which are often successful at cultivating some sort of a community. You know, mm -hmm. there are whole like Facebook groups devoted to people using LearnDash or building their Restrict Content Pro websites or using the Genesis framework. Uh, those uh, those kinds of websites, I mean, those kind of plugins are what I call foundational plugins mm -hmm. and are good examples of the kinds of plugins which you may be able to monetize services like support or monetize even like access to your community um, or other complementary services. You could sell access to your private forums or to your help desk or even to like a, a Slack account. I'd like to see mm -hmm. more of that. I think that's kind of a cool, uh, our Slack add-on for easy digital downloads allows you to sell access to a Slack mm -hmm. channel. Like you, people buy a product and they get access to a Slack channel. Like you could use that as a support mechanism if you wanted to. Yeah, charge I was gonna people. say that's, that's like a live chat equivalent, right? Which right. especially if you're like myself, who's like a solo person, um, yeah, it's almost setting the expectation that you might not reply right away. And that maybe, yeah, all the questions need to be kind of on a general channel versus direct message so that other people can benefit. Uh, from those answers and stuff, um, or, or not. <laughs> I mean, it depends, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah that would be interesting to, to see. I, I don't know anyone, I don't think who's I don't providing know. WordPress plugin support on Slack. Even yeah, it could be, I mean, if you spun up your own team and it's like uh, mm -hmm. support channel for my team and then you could sell for whatever the right price is, uh, like monthly or annual access to the team, uh, that can be kind of cool. But I think the foundational plugins are the ones where it's a lot easier to sell the service um, and build a community around it. The feature plugins, these are the ones that granted may have just as many or even more users because it's not about number of users. Uh, think about plugins like um, backup plugins, caching, um, migration plugins, even most form plugins. Uh, security ones, uh, social media ones. There's a lot of them. These are like add-ons. These are features incorporated into a website. They're not the basis for the website. These are also ones which do not generally like uh, have a lot of success building a community. Like as awesome as plugins like Backup Buddy and WP Migrate DB Pro um, and you know uh, Caldera Forms are often they don't build up like some sort of active user forum where people are exchanging ideas and right. uh, providing a lot of community because that's just the nature of those plugins. So I would think about the nature of your plugin before trying to determine whether selling the service is appropriate. I think the foundational ones can do it better than just feature add-on plugins. 
Yep. Um, that makes sense. And I'm thinking of mine, right? The event calendar newsletter is kind of an, an add-on or feature, even though it can be pretty foundational because it's something that can like automate uh, the emails that are sending. It's it's still like the, the calendar is probably the more the foundational aspect. And same with the right. short code that like lists the events somewhere else and maybe makes it easier for events to be found. It, it's still not, it's not the foundational piece. It's like the, the events calendar by Modern Tribe mm. would be that foundation. That's what the site is built around. And mm -hmm. the short code is kind of a feature to that. So, yeah, you're right. I, I would never picture uh, a community forum, I guess, like building up or, or group building up around uh, either of those, I would think. Because, yeah, they're, right. they're not yeah. foundational. So, no, that's that's a very good point. And actually, that yeah. kind of dovetails into a general thought. We had forums versus email <laughs> or versus Slack, I guess, um, which is sort of, which is sort of, well, I mean, we could actually answer that. Uh, Daniel posted a question on, <laughs> was it live chat, Facebook group, or both? And maybe we could kind of touch on that as part of that question. Um, thanks again, Cameron, for, for that question, because I think that was, uh, mm -hmm. I touched on a lot of stuff that uh, that we were, we were kind of going to mm -hmm. uh, chat about in general. But um, for, for me, live chat, Facebook group, or both, my answer would be neither. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's not one of your three options, but uh, yeah. none of the above. Um, again, Facebook group, I think that dovetails into your your point on whether or not it's a foundational uh, piece of uh, a, a website, right? If it's not, then I think you're going to have a lot of trouble, yeah, coming up with a group. Um, and a lot of people that I know who have even built successful Facebook groups, um, a, a lot of times run into that issue where people constantly use it as like a support mechanism and almost bypass your normal support mechanism uh, whether that be a forum or uh you know a forum they fill out on your website that hits your your help scout or your zendesk or whatever you're using um and then live chat same thing right like um yeah there, there really is that expectation that you're on uh 24 7 when and, and you can schedule it so the live chat disappears but then yeah again people would be dovetailing uh or would be using that in, in instead of your your actual support uh, contact form, which adds a lot of steps because then you need to get their email address if you don't already have it. You need to get their license key. You need to know what site they're on. You know, like a lot of stuff that you can glean quickly if they fill out a contact form versus using a live chat. Um, and yeah, personally, I, I much prefer. And actually, Help Scout's going to be coming out with a Beacon live chat feature that's which right I is, which i think is going to tie into uh yeah. you know i guess you can convert live chat to a ticket um which uh, yeah I'm, I'm eager to try it <laughs> once it comes up uh but it's going to be uh something where uh you know again people are just going to be able to, to ping you on that and they've even in their recent blog post about it are saying that they want it to be like in your face like they i think they're gonna have a, like a glowing red <laughs> thing that you know they're there and they've been and they're waiting you know for you so if, if you don't have a team of support people that could be uh a challenge like like for me personally it would be difficult for me to to always be on 24 you know or even eight hours a day and and just always be available so i think it'd be constantly toggling that chat on and off um, mm -hmm. but it would be it would be interesting but yeah what are what are your thoughts on live chat or facebook group you do you guys don't have one for edd do you uh we do not have an official facebook group what and this is something that i actually kind of like um as we mentioned before uh 
plugins kind of like easy digital downloads are able to, I think, uh, develop some sort of buzz conversation community group uh, because of the kinds of plugins where everybody is, you know, kind of a little bit using it their own way, like building something unique with it. Uh, and uh, in that kind of a situation, there's there's a lot of uh conversation and idea sharing and resource sharing that can go about and the easy digital downloads group that exists on facebook is an unofficial one and i really like that uh because we're not promising anything there are no guarantees on our part like we might acknowledge posts in this group we might participate in the conversation uh, but it is officially owned and maintained by a third party Mm -hmm. uh, so I can't even remember their name, so I apologize if they're... doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, not, it's not you. <laughs> yeah, it's not us. And we do frequently chime in, share stuff, or answer questions that people have, but we don't have that responsibility of doing so. So unofficial groups are pretty cool. I'm a big fan, a proponent of that. It would be funny if it was you or, you know, Pippin that started an unofficial group, and you're like... It's really unofficial. Like you, you're the one who started this plugin. <laughs> yeah. Are you the one who grants whether this is, is official or not? <laughs> I don't know how to do it exactly. Like maybe you could have like bribe one of your friends and say, "Hey, can you yeah, start right? an official group?" <laughs> so and then it becomes huge, and they just go rogue and take it over. And <laughs> Great, thanks, it all man. Backfires. I trusted you. I trusted you with my everything. You right, it it's just like slanders the brand. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, that's. Anyway. I never thought of an unofficial as as kind of a a, a way of doing that. So, yeah, that yeah. Some of the big Facebook groups are changing too. too. Like the mm -hmm. sorry, the like the how the Facebook groups are adding advertising. I think within and um, plus, it's hard for people to get notifications unless they like go in. I think in two different spots, you have to like say yes, tell me about every single post. Otherwise, they mm -hmm. have to know and manually go back to check it. Um, so that's that's part of the issue as well. Um, and actually, with forums, which I, I know wasn't part of this question, but uh, a lot of people moved away from from forums just because you know your forums over time start to get a bit stale, like some of your old threads. And you've yeah. got like you know four years ago, but they'll still pop up on Google uh, if they're public, right? So if mm -hmm. they're private, maybe less. So, but even if they're private customers could still search and then find maybe the wrong information, like a, an old uh, version that used to do something but doesn't anymore. So um, it seems that most have moved away from forums and, and either go, um, yeah, I guess either, either some kind of live chat or Facebook group or uh, email support so that, you know, there is an incorrect information out there and they mm -hmm. use that email support as a way to update the documentation so that the documentation is kind of the single source of truth and that's always up to date. And if something's incorrect, then that gets deleted uh, automatically. So I guess that's, yeah, a word of warning if you're thinking of doing a forum, that, that might not be the best. Yeah, <laughs> now's probably a time to like do the, it's not a rant, but I guess like the spiel about why we switched away from a forum must have been two or three years ago now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there were there were a lot of reasons you alluded to some, like the stale information is a big thing. That, that was becoming a serious problem. We had forums for years. We were doing the BB Press th thing on easydigitaldownloads.com. And uh, it was really hard to kind of deal with the outdated information. 
and uh, we found that a lot of the um, benefits that one hopes for in having a public forum, like I, I don't know, more SEO value SEO, yeah. content, or more <laughs> like community SEO. participation, <laughs> like oh, yeah. people, like other people in the you know your little community, like helping and offering suggestions and answering. Those were minimal. They were really small benefit, if if at all. Uh, the, it didn't add a lot to our organic search rankings and help uh, other than people searching for long tail solutions and uh, who are like already active customers. And then uh, you keep, your customers aren't going to answer your tickets for you. Don't get your hopes up on that ever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe the odd time, like I think one time someone left a review, never, never, you know, one star review, never tried to, uh, you know, reach out on support and you know and someone chimed in like right before i even could like pretty quickly and was just like did, did you ask for support like what's what's your problem like it just you know there's this it was a nonsensical right and you look at their account and they're the only time they've ever posted is like another one serve you and that's it you know like mine right. and another one right you. so why else would just, you create an account yeah. if you know right. that's that's what you do <laughs> I believe in negative review. Yep. Um, so, so that was nice, but yeah, that's the only time that I think someone's ever chimed into a support thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh, that was pretty minimal benefit, and the cons were greatly outweighing any gains that we got from that sort of thing because there's so much um, inaccurate information, misleading things. So sometimes the threads get long, and customers get confused because the conversation of a thread is paginated like four pages. And there are multiple solutions proposed by people experiencing like, oh, I solved it by doing this in a terrible, hacky way. And other customers are like trying to solve it by doing that instead of paginating to the end of the thread where we came up with a fix. Um, just all kinds of crazy things that were hurting our support. And maybe like one of the more significant underappreciated problems is the fact that we just spent a lot of time working on our forum like mm -hmm. we had all kinds of plugins acting on our site custom plugins where we're like tweaking how the forums work and how like search works in the forums and how like old threads are shown and like notices that appear here when <laughs> yeah, something's maybe outdated and like oh you know this plugin you should seek support from a third party now because we sent it to like all oh, these oh, things man. that we were customizing our forum and, and how like our support techs are getting like assigned tickets and what's been done and what's how we leave notes to each other and how things get reopened. Oh, like there's a yeah. lot going on there technically. And uh, we wanted to work on, Hey, our plugins instead of our forum. <laughs> uh, Weird. So, which do a help scout inbox, like lifted an immense responsibility off of our team and all of that work now gets to go into our products uh, yep. instead of into our support site. Yep. Uh, that was huge. Yeah, speaking of uh, Help Scout has the has this it's pretty outdated but still works fine uh, plugin by Danny Van Kooten that uh, integrates e easy digital downloads if you're if you're selling your plugins with that and uh, Help Scout uh, Freemius has one as well but uh, yeah they're yeah. just able to give you like past payments you know license id all that stuff because there were before i added that there were a couple times when someone asked for support and i assume that they have support 
because they've emailed and everything else. And, and I think I was asking for license key, but I didn't check to see if it was still valid. And then, uh, yeah, it turned out they, they had taken the plug, an old version of the plugin from somewhere. Maybe they got it from a friend or I don't know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they were trying to get a bunch of support. Cause I'm like, well, I don't know why this isn't working. It's been there for a long time. No one's ever complained. And then I'm like, Oh, what version are you using? Oh, that version's oh. from eight. <laughs> The truth comes out. That's why it's like, oh, you need a license. And then I never heard from them again. So <laughs> nice to have that sidebar where, yeah, you can very quickly see and, and jump to as well. Like if someone's asking for a refund, very quick to to jump down and, and get to that specific payment and then issue the refund uh, without having to worry about it. So, um, yeah. Definitely. Wait, you uh, issue refunds? Yeah, right. I know, right? <laughs> weird yes <laughs> yes i do <laughs> have a 30 day actually yeah that's that's a good point on support that um yeah i do have a, a 30 day uh no questions asked uh refund i will refund and then ask a question <laughs> you know or something uh typically or if they like as part of the refund are saying hey i have this issue a uh, specific issue then then i'll be like hey i can totally still refund but here's the solution to that issue that you're having and um you know very low refund rates and i think it just takes away some of that fear especially if they're not 100 percent sure if it's going to work for them um to just grab it try it make sure it works on their site with their theme and whatever else uh and then if if it doesn't you know uh then, then they can do a refund because i don't know i've seen and i can't remember what what the edd uh support policy is i know it is like you should understand what this is and uh, before you buy it but especially for any front end plugins like i i get that it's you know and i i don't normally maybe a little bit of css here and there support uh you know conflicts with any plugin or any theme like I, I always say like i've got a canned reply that says disable all your plugins and your themes which to a default one and then see if it works and then re-enable stuff and see what conflicts but if if there is like hey we can't switch away from this plugin or this theme that's conflicting personally like i i, I don't know i don't want to keep their money if it's not something that they can use at all right on that mm -hmm. site personally but um yeah, because <laughs> it's like, how could they possibly know if the plugin is going to work on their theme before they get it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> before they actually try it, yeah, unless it's a free version only or something. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, that's my thought on that. So, like yeah, it. we got more. We got lots more questions. Yay. <laughs> I like this question up here. We can, Daniel's. Daniel's the man. We can totally count on Daniel for good questions all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, so we, we will. I think we'll answer Peter's uh, question as well. Just uh, so it's not the Daniel show. <laughs> but, but these are great questions. Yes, these Daniel. are. So, these are. So do we I'm want to start with the uh, the top one there? Uh, I oh, like that top one. I, yeah, I got some ideas there. To find uh, okay, so the having tried to find support people inside our own community, yeah, is that how it? to find support people inside our own community. <laughs> people outside, <laughs> and not uh, no people spell right, and not uh, spend months uh, training them on nuances. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I've never hired support, so Kyle, if you have any thoughts on this, go nuts, <laughs> go nuts. Ah, now I want donuts. I crazy. Yeah, I'm having trouble. Okay, so Daniel's having trouble finding support people uh, looking like within your own community for a plugin thing. Sure, that's that's not uh, terribly surprising. Your community will be your users, uh, not necessarily always the perfect uh, pool to pull from from potential. Yeah. I can't say I've uh, ever stuff. bought a plugin thinking, "Hey, one day, one day I might be a support rep." 
for this plugin right. <laughs> that I'm just right. starting to use now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> like, I mean, life, it could happen. Life has it many could turns. <laughs> I ended up, uh, I think I was, I was a customer of Easy Digital Downloads before I worked here. Uh, yeah. But, oh well. Um, there you go. It's hey, not hey, too maybe one day I'll be a support rep for EDD. Of any plugin that I bought, that's the one that I've. I think I would. <laughs> you know what? That would be awesome because then you can answer your own tickets, Brian. Right? Oh man, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> how many how many reply uh, posts can I get while I'm talking to myself? <laughs> uh, that'd be great. Um, so Daniel's yes. Daniel's problem is uh, totally reasonable. I like it. A uh, couple things that come to mind offhand. Uh, first, uh, I've been hearing good things from a couple other people hiring in our community about just like job boards at WordCamps, like the dry erase boards. Like they've been yep. having some good success with that. Uh, so like being present, attending things. I bumped into Daniel only at one event in person. I'm sure he's been to lots of them, but that's a great place to meet the, this the right kind of people, more Kyles and Brian's and and everybody else out there. Uh, so make sure that uh, Ahoy is on those job boards. And uh, another thing to can think about the second part of the question is how can we hire effective support people and not spend months training them on nuances. And uh, one of the things that comes to mind uh, first is that uh, to a certain extent it's inevitable you're going to spend i have to spend a time investing in these people uh before they're really up to speed and able to help in the same way that you can but um if you're managing your support or you're able to like segment your support somehow somehow this is something that we do with our team uh, as we onboard new support people uh sometimes we are uh categorizing different types of tickets mm -hmm. uh so for example like somebody's new and uh they're just learning how our system works maybe they're not that familiar with our plugins and we assign them just like refund requests or, or just something that like they could learn in a couple hours the basics of and ask questions if they need them and then like it's not months it's hours before they're adding value they're already useful immediately. Even if they're only solving some of the problems, um, you're not taking uh, months to get them uh, fully versed in like your entire ecosystem. And yeah, so which I guess would be kind of that tier one support if you, if you kind of think of a tiered system. It's like that yeah, first you can definitely, support where they can do something quick. Yeah, you definitely can. For a catalog like ours with like over a hundred extensions, uh, we can just say, here's one extension, you know, try and figure this out. We're going to assign tickets about these to you. Uh, and that's the barrier is so much lower. And then there, they are providing that uh, value immediately, not months, but like hours or days, they're useful and worth the money you're paying them. Especially uh, the refund, uh, especially sorry, that refund portion, right? Cause that's kind of sad. Every time you right. see like a refund request, it's nice right. to never have that like someone else is just kind of dealing with that and it's off the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, right right exactly and they won't be like taking it quite so personally as yeah. you are yeah you're the you're the 
the one who made this and the, mm-hmm. taking it. Anyway, yeah. So it won't suck. Their <laughs> Think soul about like that, it guys. Next time you ask for a refund request from me, that you'll you'll be causing tears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actual tears will be flowing down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'll be sad. <laughs> I definitely like the idea of segmenting your tickets by type, like which product or which feature even or pre-sale versus technical support, which should definitely be uh, distinguished in your support channel. Um, And those are uh, really great ways for you to easily like onboard uh, a support tech to handle something simple and gradually expand. So they'll get more useful and more useful over time so that after a year of them working for you, then at that time, they're able to answer any ticket. Uh, but you don't want to um, try and impose like the whole gamut from the get-go. That's uh, overwhelming, uh, yep. and it could, as Daniel mentioned, it could be months before they're really contributing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and that's part. I'm assuming that's part of the training process. And plus, you can even have them try a reply and look stuff up, and then maybe approve it before it goes out. Or something like that, um, depending on your your system, as opposed to them like directly replying with customers for maybe stuff they haven't dealt with before. Um, yeah, you're just it's almost nicer to train them as tickets come in because it's like here, here here are actual questions that people are asking as opposed to what I think people ask and what people typically ask. Uh, yeah, which is nice. So you yeah, can always like poach support techs from other companies. Mm-hmm. Somebody answers a support tech a question really well for you, and you're like, "Hey, want a job?" Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we want to encourage that kind of behavior. No, sure. I'm just, yeah, that's, I'm just getting that's done. Strategy. <laughs> but you can go to like some of the free forums, and it, I've not tried this or had much success. So I can't, I can't say from experience, but I do know that there are a lot of people who aspire to uh, get technical support jobs and go to purposefully as a, as a part of their strategy in getting a job, go uh, answer questions on public forums like the mm-hmm. WordPress.org support forums or um, automatics forums or somebody, whatever else as a public forum. And yep. you might encounter people there providing great answers to support questions. And you might learn from that. And you might even find people who are actively seeking uh, support positions. Hmm. That's a good, uh, that's a good strategy. <laughs> Just literally look at like uh, the, the, you know, latest, I think you can still go to the screen where you can see the latest replies on, uh, on the WordPress.org forums and go from there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and just see see what name right. keeps popping up and yeah and then you know stalk them a little bit see what they're doing now and, <laughs> and then reach yeah. out and, i and love see. all the easter eggs that sometimes you'll find uh in like uh there's web pages where i've viewed the source code of the page and there's an html comment that says like yes. if you're looking at this we're or like there's an endpoint I think automatic has an endpoint. You can hit it if like uh, their API request and somehow maybe something about it invalid or something in the request. Like (laughs) if you're reading this, like we're hiring, by the way. We want to talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Anything network requests, yeah, that they have to to open the Chrome Dev Tools, then hey, probably someone that we want to talk to you. Maybe <laughs> some about that. Yeah, in your developer documentation, if you see it in like in your code base and your hooks and your dev docs, you know, make a, make a little note. If somebody's doing this, they might actually be a good person to work with. Yep. 
hundred percent. So hope that helped, uh, Daniel. <laughs> Those are good. <laughs> that was a very good question. And uh, I guess we'll we'll move on to uh, Peter's, which also has uh, two votes, and uh, also see one from Michelle, which is nice. Uh, should show some love to that question because that's a decent one. Get that voted voted up. But uh, Peter's was the uh, what is a reasonable range of test environments to cover in testing. Uh, in the context of maybe a freemium plugin and it, it applies to to pro as well but um yeah that's that's always fun because <laughs> it's like if you have your own like SaaS product you can have all these integration tests and like you know unit tests and and everything that'll cover every aspect because you control the entire environment uh you know someone who's using your SaaS product can't add uh, who knows what, you know, to your platform, whereas uh, WordPress plugin, um, yeah, it's always fun when I'm like, hey, can I have access to your site to, you know, see what the heck's going on? And, oh, you have 98 plugins installed. Cool. Uh, <laughs> this is scary. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. Um, so personally, and I think EDD is the same term. So I only support it uh, on a clean install of WordPress, uh, you know, like, and uh, with a default theme, like 2017 uh, installed, and then, you know, the dependent plugin. So, right, if, if it's the shortcode, it needs the events calendar. If it's event calendar newsletter, it's one of the themes or, or plugins that that plugin supports. And that's it. You know, if, if there are other conflicts and, and, and time permitting, or, you know, it's something that's really popular or, oh, hey, hey, I can see that I could do things a little different and avoid this conflict, which, you know, I really try to program it in such a way that it plays totally nice with other plugins and themes. Um, but beyond that, you know, like I've got a canned response that says like, hey, ensure you have a backup first to make, you know, because sometimes deactivating a plugin can mess stuff up. Deactivate all your plugins, which would default theme. Does it work? Yep. Cool. Okay. So you've got a, you've got a conflict with something, you know, and then re-enable them one by one and then, you know, add, add to your environment back to where it was before and then keep testing and see, oh, when I enable that plugin, that causes it to break. So that's the plugin that's got the conflict. Let me know what it is. And again, maybe there's something I can do to prevent it, but chances are like that they're doing something wrong. They're adding their scripts everywhere. They're messing with the query. They're doing just they're going rogue, you know, it's just not something that I can prevent. <laughs> so you need to contact them and get them to sort out whatever their problem is. So, so in the context of, of testing, I mean, if there's popular themes or other plugins that your plugin works with, test with those, but otherwise 99% uh, of the time, I'm just testing my plugin on a clean install of WordPress uh, with, you know, the dependent plugin that it relies on and, that, and that's it. So um, that's the environment that, that I would normally test on. Uh, and I just found out the other day that my plugin works fine on uh, Windows uh, IIS server. So, hey, because that is definitely not something I will ever test on or support. But it works, so that's good. <laughs> I did no. stuff in the right way, but it, yeah. uh, it still still works, so that's good. Yeah, I hope you <laughs> so updated like your marketing copy to say works on IIS. Start yeah, I should do that. Those <laughs> I don't. I don't think I want to advertise that. Actually, <laughs> um, they can just if people have IIS and it works great. If not, you know, thirty day refund policy. Because <laughs> I'm not spinning up Windows. Again. Oh, sorry for all the people who love Windows, but I've been a Mac Unix person for a very long time, and <laughs> I think I'll I'll stick to that boat. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts on test environment for testing or test environments or. I mean, it is kind of interesting, and I. A lot of us, like you and I, I think are, uh, it's easier for us to get a little, I don't know, detached from 
how everybody else uses the web and like builds their yeah. websites. Like it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. So I'm routinely reminded. I was just like a meeting today. I, I went to uh, Toastmasters clubs that I'm in and I was just, uh, blown away by like everyone's reliance on internet explorer and inability to do, uh, reliably some of the most basic things like i was suggesting using a like a meetup page meetup.com and even that is too complicated and too buggy and everybody was like it's i can't it doesn't work i'm confused i couldn't know and uh these are these are things that we take for granted like just leaving a comment on a meetup page is really difficult uh these are some of the customers that we end up having and uh, you can never take for granted how different someone else's experience might be. We have our like finely tuned optimized environments for our testing. Uh, mm -hmm. We're like on a, the best Mac uh, with a retina screen and mm -hmm. the latest version of Chrome and whatever else we've got running on a high speed network. Uh, yeah, our customers are not in that environment. And that's something to appreciate. Like we are experiencing our products at their best. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is important to uh, understand how they operate in other environments. Um, it's not a strength that I have, uh, mm -hmm. but there are online tools which are pretty cool for like emulating other environments. I know Chrome DevTools is pretty good about incorporating um, some uh, built-in emulators, even throttling uh, mm -hmm. tools are built in so you can experience how you're your app loads uh, slower or at different screen sizes and so forth. This should be basic stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I would encourage all of that stuff, especially like front end plugins. I can't even imagine like if you have some sort of page builder thing uh, <laughs> like that, just uh, that gives me gray hairs just thinking. About it. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly so surprised that the support is, is, is again, I tried to program it as, as best I could. And, uh, you know, use CSS in a way that that kind of takes priority over what the theme has while still using, you know, the, the font and uh, maybe sizing, relative sizing of like headers and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm very surprised that there are more uh, either complaints or issues or what have you with, uh, you know, adding the short code with, you know, uh, design and CSS and, and, and specific HTML built in uh, with, with all the themes that are out there. So um, yeah. that's exciting. Really the There's biggest issue is that they'll yeah. copy and paste the short code from my site and it'll grab like the pre-tag, like in some spots or oh. articles, right? It's got like a pre-tag to make it look like code. And then uh, when they copy and yeah. paste it to their site, it's still got the pre-tag and you're like, oh yeah. no. Um, so that's the canned reply I've got as well to like, Hey, it looks like you have a pre-tag. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so little that we can just assume. I don't know if you get, but we'll get like screenshots and, and screen capture videos sent to us by customers mm -hmm. and you just watch it and you're trying to figure out what their problem is. But at the same time, you're like, wow, that is their environment. Their workstation is so mm -hmm. different, so different than ours. Like one of those the PC desktops with like an older version of uh, the Windows OS and like the heavily cluttered desktop with like all these icons, you know, uh, like your grandma might have with, like all <laughs> this stuff and watch them like go through the process of clicking the download link for your zip file and like figuring out how to find where it downloaded to on their machine and then upload it to their site and install the plugin. 
That's a painful process. It hurts yeah. to watch sometimes. Huge. So yeah, it's always good to have like with any support, have have empathy. <laughs> this is someone who's trying to accomplish a task. You know, they 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 likely give you money, you know, to to thinking that you would be the solution. Um, so yeah, if you can support their environment uh without it being this huge burden and you know, they're not the only one who's doing it in that environment, then and you will get questions like, um, can it work on not WordPress, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, which <laughs> maybe do. no, do, yeah. <laughs> I got one that, that not too long ago. Will it work on my website, which was not a WordPress site? I answered no. Obviously, he gave me a bad review. Uh, <laughs> just <for me. laughs> there's not really much you can do yeah. <laughs> about bad reviews, sadly. But, uh, terrible <laughs> answer. Yeah. <laughs> no. Period. <That's> it. <laughs> or uh, that came up in uh, Pressnomics the one time because uh, Joe, speaking of uh, uh, Coleman, he his his talk right uh, on uh, you know like uh, type out the support email you want to write. Make sure you delete the two from the email or whatever system you, use, so you don't accidentally send the like you know angry reply if someone's like a customer is being irate but uh we we joked most of the weekend uh, a few of us that uh you know it's like, okay i dare you the next uh, support question you get just just reply back and go <laughs> like pfft that's it just reply that and send <laughs> and then if they ask uh you know for a refund be like you wish <laughs> <And that's just laughs> it's like that is a terrible idea of uh customer support but yeah <laughs> it's kind of what you want to do sometimes when the requests are a little out there <laughs> i love that i love that really I actually, anger, though. <laughs> it reminds me like i have a spreadsheet of like my uh and maybe like time permitting after questions we can read some of our favorites because I have a, a sheet <laughs> of like minutes, yeah. support greatest hits uh, for me, like favorite mm -hmm. tickets throughout history. Um, just some some gems in there. But we should focus on people's questions. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe after we answer this one, we can uh, we can hear one of those gems because I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> I don't know what is. Um, so yeah, why don't we answer uh, Michelle's? So Michelle's was, uh, we have implemented a customer success team that calls and emails all new customers to answer those easy questions to keep tech support about the tech. Uh, which is interesting. Yeah. That, uh, calls and emails. Yeah. So I think, yeah, they're, they're even yeah, calling new customers as well, which is kind of different. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on that and other proactive approaches, uh, to, to support? Um, so that's almost reaching out to them before, uh, they, they contact you. And I've, I've got personally, uh, uh, auto replies. Like I, I'm not, I don't ask for the phone number because like for me, that would be an extra field and, uh, during the checkout process and people might be like, well, why are you asking my phone number? Like, you know, that, that, that could be something that they kind of don't want to give out. I'm sure it's an optional field in their checkout, but still it's like a, a hesitation, I guess, to complete the checkout process. Mm, um, but right. I do have automated uh, emails that go out, I think what, two weeks after they purchase. And I think one, a couple days or three days, or maybe in the next day, plus the email that goes out, you know, initially on like how to, as soon as they buy, you know, how, here's how you install it. Here's, here's the link to the document mutation stuff like that um so yeah. i've got those proactive and they can uh, a lot of times people will just uh email and um they don't even realize it's automated a lot of them are like oh thanks for reaching out i'm like no problem thank you yeah. much, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know i guess i guess thank me for setting it up but thank mailchimp for actually sending it to you uh two weeks after your purchase because right. i did not do that manually anymore uh <laughs> 
but yeah, so those are the, the kind of proactive things. And I do get a lot of great feedback. You know, it's like, hey, it's working great, but I wish I could do this. Uh, or, hey, it's not working so well. Can you help me with this? You know, and it just gives them a quick, easy way. They can reply by email. It goes into Help Scout, and then they're able to uh, to, to reach out that way and, and add it as a support thread, uh, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on like proactive uh, approaches to support. And proactive is awesome. I really like it. Uh, everything that we do is automated, like you said. Yeah. And there are a lot of powerful tools available to us, especially with our email marketing tools um, or maybe within our e-commerce platform to automate a lot. Uh, include as much information as you can in your purchase receipts, anything that's relevant to them. Follow up with them with automatic emails that they will get an hour after purchase or the day after you should know your customers you should know what they're uh, trying to accomplish and, and roughly how much time it might take them and what hurdles they'll hit or in the early stages, uh, you know, like at the beginning, they might be struggling with installation. So they should get that information right from the get go. And later they might have questions about maybe configuration and that they could get shortly after. And then maybe they have other questions about like enhancing. Once you think they've had enough time to set it up, you might automate uh, information to them about really uh, building on top of what they made, making it better. How can you make like a really rich uh, configuration? Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of information is sent automatically. Manually, one-on-one uh, -on -one reaching out is uh, super cool. It just is hard to scale. Mm -hmm. uh, so you would have to be operating on us with a small number of high paying customers to sustain that kind of model. So perhaps yeah. that's what Michelle's doing. I don't know anything about her business. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's, we, it's quite a few yeah, uh, calls that they're doing. But yeah, it, it was yeah, that was something I did manually at first because I'm like, I'm just starting. I'm just getting my first customers. There's no reason why I can't email, you know, those those early adopters and, and first customers manually. But yeah, it just it got to a point pretty quick where um, I just I just didn't have the time <laughs> to to email and I didn't want to miss anyone either, right? Because that's terrible. <laughs> like whether it's automated or manual, you always want to reach out, like you said, with with some some either tips to help them get started or just like an invitation to contact them if they have any or contact you if they have any ideas to improve what what they're already using. Um, yeah, you, sure. It's some of your best feedback you'll ever get. So <laughs> you need to yeah. get that. <laughs> it sounds like a cool thing to do in the early stages, uh, but it's it's just tough to scale up. Uh, once yeah. we're once you're getting hundreds or thousands of customers, um, you can't really sustain that very well. Yeah, exactly. So hope that uh, that helps, uh, Michelle. But yeah, you're you're <laughs> uh, you're doing great in terms of the proactive stuff uh, I like that you've been doing. So, <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> she says she's she's on a conference uh, call. <laughs> so uh, there you go. <laughs> so well, you the missed dangers it. of calling your customers. Yeah, <laughs> you can go back and listen to the replay. <laughs> <laughs> calling your customers during this. Yeah, that's probably what she's doing. <laughs> so um so one of the well actually before we got on to what uh, i know we've probably only got time for for one uh, question or, or maybe a bit of two uh yeah what, what, do you have a top gem <laughs> in terms of uh uh support questions that you've gotten <laughs> <laughs> there i break them down into a few different types there are some littered with profanities which would not be appropriate to 
recite probably here. Um, there are some I include just because they include, and the answer to your Michelle, your question, Michelle, is yes, you can rewatch this later. Um, but and some just include hilarious typos. Maybe people mm-hmm. with uh, English is not their first language or people <laughs> who just... Um, I get high brain all the time. All the time. <laughs> it's just two letters. You got to flip the I and the A. So but I, I find it a compliment. It's like, oh, wow, you think I'm smart. That's cool. Thanks. <laughs> um, Wait till you see my reply and then they'll be incorrect. <laughs> someone said, uh, reply, responded to not, uh, it wasn't even a support request, but they responded to an email about one of our blog posts or a newsletter or something and just said, sorry, but I can't take seriously anyone who uses that stupid childish cliche. cliche. Awesome. So apparently the word awesome is a stupid childish cliche and I can't take it seriously because we used it in some context. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Which surprised me a little bit. Um, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did get the one. Uh, this is for one of the courses, but um, I had set something up, and this is actually similar to what Paul Jarvis had done for one of his courses, uh, where if someone had clicked clicked one of the links or something, I followed up the next day and was like, "Hey," and I even said in the email directly, like, word for word, through the power of Mailchimp, you know, I, I saw that you were interested, you know, but but didn't pull the trigger. Like I was just wondering why. Kind of an invitation to reply back and. Uh, and give me any feedback or hey it's still on sale for a couple days whatever and someone was so angry they're like how dare you <laughs> you know you know know that i clicked on a link in your email you know whatever and then and then reply back to me you know so you're scraping all my things all my data i'm like welcome to the internet you know like this is things are being tracked this is a, a normal occurrence <laughs> and yeah you know if, if, you, if you don't want this to happen then yeah don't don't click links don't surf the internet Internet, don't do anything <laughs> but yeah, that was a bit <laughs> that was a bit surprising uh, but on plugin support someone yeah recently emailed and, and was just it was just you know it was i don't do i try to point people in the right direction if they want to do customizations but i just you just can't support it you know like a 29 to 70 plugin there's just you can't offer like you know hours of custom support uh to create a custom theme just for them for example um but yeah they're they're almost guilting me into <laughs> into doing it you know the site is for you know uh, uh you know for disabled like you know so so if i give you ftp can you go in and like you write all the code for me i'm like no <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> like this is you know especially locking into their environment via ftp uh that would be <laughs> that would that would be a scary thing to uh, to do because yeah, I, I don't want to break their site or anything like that. So <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. sometimes you just you gotta say no, and the customer's not always right. And it's uh, what can you do? Unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think uh, yeah, we're at time. We're at an hour. Um, I mean, I can really quickly, I guess, in terms of how do you determine how much to be paying a support tech? depends <laughs> um you know especially like there are ones that you know uh, what would be a low wage for us would be a very comfortable living wage uh to, to where someone else is living in the world um and i think that's for me is just it needs, wherever they're based it needs to be something that's like a good living wage for where they are um mm-hmm. so that that's personally my my thoughts on but again i haven't hired anyone and i i, I think it's kind of kind of up to you i mean a lot of times you get where you pay for it too right like um if you're paying someone five bucks an hour, you know, and, and 
in, uh, in English is not the first language, then you might not be getting that kind of output and, and reliable support help that you're looking for. Um, so uh, definitely, definitely think about that when you're, mm. you're doing it. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, people have all, well, and maybe we could quickly answer the, the uh, do you force users without a valid key uh, to get one before providing any support? I do. Um, and through EDD, uh, help scout integration, I know if it's the same email address, whether they have it. So we, I, I almost never check the license key manually. Um, but if they don't have one, I, I oftentimes say, Hey, can you reply back? Uh, or if you're using the free version, you know, here's, here's a link, uh, to the support forum and I'll get to it when I can. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, there's no match. I, I won't provide the the email support because that for me is is a premium feature and no one else can read it. So uh, yeah, you don't get that leverage uh, that you would if they just a free user posting in the support forum. Your people are able to find that answer uh, themselves. So yeah, we do yeah. the same thing. And with the help Scott integration with easy digital downloads, if the customer is just emailing us using the same email address, that's what it looks it up. So the email address they're sending from is what queries our customer database. Uh, so technically, they don't even need to provide that sort of information. It looks them up and says, "Is someone with this email have valid license keys?" and so on. Uh, it's more so like a helpful. block, right? By adding that license key, like if they pick technical support, it asks for license key. It's almost like a trigger that, like, oh, okay, I need a license key to continue. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Emailing not to say you directly. Don't ask, you don't want to ask yeah, for it, but exactly. um, that's how it works. Yep, exactly. So, yep. So that, uh, that were, that's how we handle it. So uh, hopefully this has been helpful in, in terms of uh, supporting your uh, premium plugins. And uh, if you'd like to hear a replay of this episode or other episodes, you can head over to sellingplugins.com forward slash podcasts and uh, grab all the previous recordings, subscribe by Apple Podcasts, <laughs> uh, Stitcher, whatever, whatever other fancy app should be on Overcast. I haven't searched there yet. but You know, I noticed the other day I was searching the podcast directory and there's more of you on there than I expected. <laughs> oh, you're just searching by my name? Yes. Yeah, you have started a few podcasts. Yeah, I've uh, had 43 episode one with the Hamilton podcast interviewing local uh, people. Um, yeah, between two posts for a few episodes. Yeah, between two posts, right? <laughs> it's like between two ferns, but not. <laughs> uh, really good. Yeah, so really clever. confirmed. It's on Overcast. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Phil. Increasing that download code. Um, and for anyone who's here and is interested in learning more about specific aspects of launching and running a plugin, uh, feel free to head over to uh, sellingplugins.com forward slash webinar. And you can grab uh, a 25% discount code, which you'll see when you add uh, the Selling Plugins course to your cart. So uh, happy to offer that for anyone who is interested in the course, Selling Plugins. I don't know if you, do you guys have any discounts running right now for easy digital downloads? Or I know you have one every once in a while. But... Uh, nothing active right now. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's fair. <laughs> but uh, we are interested in everyone's uh, feedback on our future topics. Like Brian said, we're going to continue to try and do this on a monthly basis. And we've done a general Q&A. We've done pricing models. We've done marketing. And now we've done support. Some of these topics we may revisit in the future. But if there's anything else in particular you're hoping that we cover, speak up. Yeah, please do. Either in the chat here or uh, you can email me, brian at uh, brianhog.com. Or, uh, yeah, ping us on Twitter. 
at Brian Hogg. Uh, I'm assuming you're, what is your Twitter handle? Can't remember. <laughs> it's uh, Mr. Kyle Maurer, M R K Y L E M A U R E R. Sweet. Remember that. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, reach out and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next time. Take care. Later. <laughs>